she blows somebody away with a shotgun through uh, a plate glass window. And people behind her is just still dancing. <laughs> so I just thought, like, how, how cool is that nightclub? Uh-huh. Yeah, innocent times. <laughs> Hello again to all our listeners and welcome back to Geek Switch. Um, this is Cult Film where we're kind of like having a look at um, some wonderful and not so wonderful video game film adaptations. I'm Jay and welcome back again. Today's topic of discussion is Mortal Kombat and once again I've got the wonderful company of TJ Instigate Jones. Howdy. Howdy again. Nice to see you as well. And we also have King Dom. Hey, Jay. Hey, TJ. Good to be here. <laughs> Hi there. TJ and Jay. <laughs> Shall we? So just kind of like for people who don't know much about Mortal Kombat, this was like, this started off as an arcade game, kind of like way back when. 1992, it was an arcade game. Um, pretty much just a tournament PvP type game, kind of like, exploded into this kind of time-traveling fantasy world um you know with a huge backstory and you know another story going forward and, um, that's that's a weird thing isn't it jay because for yeah. an arcade fighting game to have such a massive amount of lore it is unusual yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because it's like the the game came before the law the law was kind of like created later on or you know, I mean, I'd say the creators probably thought about, you know, characters' background and stuff like that before um, the game was made. But um, they kind of beefed it up and kind of enriched the lore after the game took off. Um, well, that, that's what it looks like anyway. So, yeah. So, yeah, 1992, and um, they're still going. The last game was released 2019 with Mortal Kombat 11. Um, I think Robocop was in that as well i think it makes a guest appearance the it was one of the releases there was a um mortal kombat and um dc um yeah. and then you could also buy extra characters to play with as well so you could like do rambo and the terminator uh, as <laughs> so they're all playable characters that you can buy cool um so yeah no it, it has totally exploded like i i did you guys play the games at all i played it in the arcade yeah, Very yeah, yeah. badly. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's my memory as well. I, I haven't played any of the console games at all. I my my only experience with Mortal Kombat is pretty much arcade PvP, me against my brother, um, and you know occasionally my my cousins and stuff like that. But it was always arcade, you know, twenty cents, mm. you know, into the arcade, um, and uh, you know have have a good go at bashing each other. So yeah, that was my experience. So. Was it? I was gonna say, wasn't one of the things about um, Mortal Kombat is that the controls on the arcade were counterintuitive to Street Fighter that had come before it. So it's like you couldn't just roll and pick the same combinations that you did in Street Fighter. You had to do something slightly different with your, your given three buttons and a joystick. I'm not too sure about that, actually. I I know that it used to be, I mean, you you still had like a combination of buttons and, and, you know, joystick um, movements to to do certain moves. Mm. But it wasn't, um, it was different to Street Fighter. 
for me, Mortal Kombat was a little bit more complicated than Street Fighter. Street Fighter, you could get away with button bashing. But for yeah, me, yeah, yeah. It felt, it felt that the, the controls were very simplistic in comparison, whereas, like, Mortal Kombat was, like, I, I felt that there was a bit more kind of, I wouldn't say technique, but definitely yeah. certain way you had to play different characters. Yeah, do you know what I think it was? I think, looking at the game machine, I think Mortal Kombat had something like five, maybe six or seven buttons maybe five or six buttons, whereas, like, Street Fighter, um, you had three buttons. Yeah. So you, yeah. I think that was the thing that made a difference. So you couldn't just, you couldn't just like, hack the system as a Street Fighter pro. <laughs> you had to actually learn the combinations again. I think that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, definitely more buttons with Mortal Kombat. I remember mm. that. And, of course, Mortal Kombat did have one thing that he introduced, which was the fatality. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was known for that as well. But interestingly, like um, after the first game or so, I think they they got a lot of flack for the brutality and their fatalities, you know, their finishing kills. (laughs) And like in uh, Mortal Kombat 2, they introduced the friendship move and babality. So friendship Mm. move is kind of instead of killing them, you kind of like shake hands and move on. And babality, you could turn them into a baby (laughs) (laughs) i remember that yeah Yeah, it was was in mortal kombat 2 and then um just kind of like reading through the history like they had brutality in ultimate um mortal kombat 3 so that was basically you 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 really brutally beat them up before you killed them and then you had animality animality which was when you turned them into an animal before you killed them mm. and then you had harikari in, in um, Mortal Kombat Deception where um, the, the losing player could opt to kill themselves before the, the, the winning player had the you know the opportunity to kill you so with harikari it was kind of like you had to try and kill them before they killed themselves so that was kind of like another dynamic that they added to it which i thought you know was rather amusing um but yeah no i i I, the thing is like for all of its brutality and blood guts and gore with you know to what it's developed into in terms of the fatalities they they are actually quite amusing because they're just so over the top and yeah i So, Jay, have you got a favourite fatality from the current um, Mortal Kombat 11? You, you know what? I, I have to say, was it, is it, um, oh, not Liu Kang, the other one, um, the one with the metal hat. <laughs> like, he turns it into a saw and then he rub, pushes, pushes your face into it. Oh, that, <laughs> that one. It's like, you could, oh, I tell you, that was probably the one that made my stomach go, <laughs> <laughs> because you not only could you, not only were you watching it, but it was also kind of like you could feel it. It's kind of like just that moment when, you, when your face goes into the, into the thought. Yeah, because oh. didn't they make the screen shudder sometimes with the fatality? Oh, I didn't notice that. Maybe they did. I don't know. Yeah, because there's like a little bit, like it, like I think the difference with Street Fighter, you're seeing it in 2D, and yeah. it's just like, okay, that action is happening over there, and the background stays the same. 
But I think the thing with Mortal Kombat, because I, I, I mean, some of the, I can't remember which one, but sometimes the angle changes. Oh, but yeah, you yeah. get to see the you get to see a bit more of the reverberation of the character, which I think may adds to the realism of the graphics. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's three, three, three sixty. So like the camera angles, yeah, they kind of pan around and stuff like that. So it's really well done. It's like watching a movie, really. Yeah, I think there's a character in it called Scarlet who's got an interesting fatality move. I think it's one of the later Mortal Kombat's where um, she kind of throws um, like her, I'm not sure if it's her veins as tendrils into somebody's body and it goes into the heart and makes it explode, which is kind of very gory and crazy. Yeah, she. Her character was, I think, I think it's actually new in, in um, Mortal Kombat 11. It could sure. be in new one. It could be in, she might have been in 10 as well. I think it's 11, yeah. But um, I think her finishing kill was she kind of bathes in the blood of her um, opponents. Yeah. So that, that was her thing, was blood. Like, she, like, <laughs> it was blood. There was lots of blood, so much blood. There's another thing I wanted to say about the fatality as well, is um, they slow it down as well, which is an interesting thing. Like, they go in normal speed, and then they slow it down so you can see all of the artwork that's Something. gone into the action as well. Yeah, fantastic cinematic effect. Yeah. <laughs> How do I get more out of this fatality? <laughs> Cannon. More fatality for your butt, yeah. Human, yeah. Ah, right. <laughs> anyway, so we're not really here to talk about the game, even though we've kind of like spent a lot of time talking about it. Although um, I think we should say at this point, the animality feature did lead to the most hilarious part of Mortal Kombat, Annihilation. <laughs> Possibly the worst CGI I've ever seen in a professionally made film that was released in the cinemas. <laughs> I, think, I think that's got to be said. I was actually more um, surprised about how insistent they kept reusing the word animality, even though it doesn't really exist. It's like... Well, they're, they're trying to sell it. Like, you know, they've got to make you think it's a thing. Yeah, but the, the character that... Um, I know we talked about the second one a bit preemptively, but the way that the character that was just introduced 10 seconds ago repeated the word like 20 times in the space of... 60 seconds. It's before. like neuro-linguistic programming. It's like if he says it enough, <laughs> the audience are going to think this is a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was almost like they were trying to make it a buzz phrase for the summer. <laughs> Somehow, animality failed to be the buzzword of 1997. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're not just going to be talking about Mortal Kombat. We're going to talk about the, the, the double header of Mortal Kombat and... Um, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. I think that very much needs to be done. Because I just (laughs) want to say one thing about that. Um, Because you were talking about the um, Mortal Kombat lore just being written shortly after the films, and so so shortly after the games. And I kind of feel that it was maybe a preemptive action to make sense of the films, because the game came out in 1992, and if you consider the CGI, it's quite likely... Mortal Kombat was filmed in 1994 to be released in 1995, and the sequel comes mm-hmm. out two years after. So mm-hmm. it feels like the law may have been written as a game plan to kind of get the franchise moving along, you know? Yeah, I'd say so. I'm Well, actually, yeah. Or maybe it was kind of like the, the idea of the movie came about, and it's kind of like, okay, well, if we do a movie about it, what happened before the movie? Because... Yeah. 
it's hard to kind of write a script and have a story without mm. what happened, without knowing yourself what happened prior. So, yeah. you know, there's always got to be some kind of backstory leading up to the story you're actually telling in the film. Mm. Yeah. So. I, I mean, the thing is, I think for Mortal Kombat, like on a scale of one to ten, the suspension of disbelief is like 9.5, considering how you move from what we know is the real world into the Mortal Kombat world, as it were. And that's despite the fact that you're going into it with a willingness to suspend your disbelief. Yeah. Well, I think the characters kind of took it quite um, easily. I mean, because um, uh, you've got three disparate characters that you begin with in the film, which is um, you've got your your one character who's haunted by the death of his brother. You've got another character who's kind of a gung-ho SWAT team specialist who's on a revenge mission because her partner got killed. And then you've got another character who is an on-film martial artist who wants to prove he can do it in the real world. But there's a good moment of parody that plays along when that character is introduced because you kind of get the feeling that the fourth wall's been broken a little bit. So I thought that was quite interesting. I didn't get that at all. Did Johnny Cage, <laughs> when he was on the film set, they, don't you remember in the beginning, like the way they cut into... In Mortal Kombat, oh, you he walks into that. a warehouse yeah. and yeah, then he yeah. has a fight. And then you think, oh, this is just another martial artist guy. Yeah. And then it ends with, oh, you're supposed to fall down. And it turns yeah. out the last guy was some kind of a stuntman. Yeah. Then yeah. you kind of pull away and get to see the film set and the fancy yeah. backdrops, which is a little bit of foreshadowing, but it's, it's kind of nice to see. You, you, you know he's going to be the comedy... Um, standpoint that sort of thing like he's going to be the uh or the comic relief of the film mm. and apparently um johnny cage is based on jean-claude van damme so it's kind of a shame they couldn't have got someone with jean-claude <laughs> van damme's acting ability to play him <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i think it works tongue-in-cheek because i mean the way mortal combat is filmed it still uses the same editing techniques for fights in terms of you don't get the john wick full body long martial arts sequence you get the kind of wide mid close-up close-up yeah. impact shot wide again so yeah. you can see you can tell it's not all done in in um, a moment's uh, fault but i think it's kind of the editing for that time especially when you think it's two years before the matrix is actually quite good considering the martial arts the game to martial arts films that came before it. I thought I was actually I enjoyed the actual fight sequence, to be honest. Yeah, they had well, their moments. You... I guess we do have to make allowances for the fact we're talking about 25 years ago now for the first time. Yeah, one. yeah. Oh, yeah, there was one other suspension of disbelief thing, which I've got to mention before I come out to Jamie. It's like um, it was the, the crossing of the night. It was, I mean, it's the first 10 minutes of the film. But it's um, Sonya Blade's character being introduced as she's doing the raid on the nightclub to find yeah. another character called Kano. But she's walking across the nightclub with a pump-action shotgun and a nightlight on top of it, or a torch. And she's just walking in and out of like people are dancing. And then yeah. when she gets to the clearing on the other side of the dance floor, she blows somebody away with the shotgun through uh, a plate glass window 
and people behind it is just still dancing. <laughs> so I just feel like how how cool is that nightclub, you know? <laughs> yeah, innocent times. <laughs> when you just didn't care. <laughs> yeah. But did did anyone watch the film straight from the cinema? Or did they wait for it to go DVD or TV? You know what? I, I, I'm pretty sure I probably went to the cinema for, oh, wow. for both of them, actually. But, you know, that was for, like, my younger days when I didn't have much <laughs> <laughs> to do. It was kind of like, yeah, let's go. Did, did you have the excitement of, I want to see this game in real life? Or was it, I want to go and see a film? Um, I think at the time it was a case of, I want to see it because of the video games. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And also because back then it was, you know, seeing Asian characters or, you know, kind of Asian-inspired characters on the screen was yeah. far between as well. Sure, so sure, sure. it was also that kind of thing. It's like, okay, who's playing this character? Who's who, who, who who's playing, you know, the you know the key characters in, in this film? And, you know, I'd, and also I think, you know, back in those days, you know, mm. people were martial arts crazy, you know, everything yeah. was kind of like still rolling off the, you know, um, the hype of Jackie Chan and, you know, Bruce yeah. Lee before him. And Jet Li yeah. was kind of like coming on onto the, the, the world stage as well. Yeah. And then, you, you know, yeah. So. The thing is, I, I wanted to say one thing about this film. And this is coming from a black perspective, but they still made the black guy the first guy who got killed in this film. So they followed that trope. Uh, they did two th- They did two things in this whole combat. They made the they killed the first guy who got killed was a black guy, and the most elaborate kill was a black guy as well. Because I never knew you could die by getting sucked through somebody's eyeball. <laughs> Because it's, it's like, okay, you know, see, every day is a school day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like, it was like, okay, this guy got beat into a pulp by the only character with four arms. But it's kind of like they raised him aloft for like what seemed like a century so that his soul could get sucked away by uh, one of the characters uh, called, um, uh, what's his name? Shang, have I got this right? Shang Tsung. Who's yeah. he, he's kind of like um, he's going for like a recruitment phrase for the tournament, isn't he? To try and he's a shape shifting sorcerer. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, and I can't even remember what happens in the film now. <laughs> when, I, when did you see it? I re I rewatched it last week as well. Um, he he was collecting souls um for the purpose of of um overtaking um realm anyway so he was doing that for, he was like he was basically sourcing people for the tournament so that he could take their souls yeah I mean is it, do you want me to go over the premise quickly then? I, think, I think that would be helpful for everyone yeah, yeah so basically it's like because um, it is so fantastic and wild but it makes sense for the, the history and the franchise of Mortal Kombat so the Mortal Kombat first film 995 is basically there's a mysterious character who you later find out is a sorcerer Shang Tsung, who is behind a kind of intergalactic plot to control the realm that includes Earth. But to do that, they, there has to be a kind of a mystical tournament that takes place in another region um, that people are not quite sure where it exists. 
um, called, I'm not sure, is, 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 he comes from a region called Outworld, and his realm in Outworld is trying to take over the Earthworld, but to do that, they have to win 10 consecutive tournaments, I think it is. Uh, very clear combat. about that. Yeah, <laughs> and the ninth tournament had already happened, so thank goodness for that, that we didn't have to go through that exposition. So this final last <laughs> tournament that Earth just found about two weeks ago because they didn't check their emails has to be won almost immediately with the best combatants that are available. But it feels like those three combatants at the moment are um, one character called Johnny Cage, who is like a Hollywood film star who's just coming to the end of a film shoot of his latest martial arts project. One kind of SWAT team expert called Sonya Blade who's chasing after some underworld boss called Kano, but she's also motivated by getting revenge because Kano somehow, you don't know how, killed her partner. And she, her, her part of her team is a character called Jax, who's one of the Mortal Kombat franchise characters. And the third character, I think it's Liu Kang, who is... He's, he's, he needs to take some Advil or something because he's having nightmares about, <laughs> he's, about he's, the death of his brother that he feels guilty from after he gets a telegram from his granddad. Yeah, he's a, he's a Shaolin fighter. Yeah, and we all have to get them on the boat so that they can fly <laughs> off into the sunset. <laughs> they say that is a good exposition. Yeah. <laughs> they get invited to the island. And it's, it's the dirtiest, ugliest boat that anyone's ever been on. And it's like, is is I don't even think Jack Sparrow would get on that boat. And the thing is, it's like no one asks any questions about where they're going or whether they've got travel insurance and stuff they, like that. They they just know that they're going to an island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> going it's cool. to a tournament. Why, why are these martial arts tournaments always on islands? <laughs> I'm not so sure. Cool. I think maybe so you, you can't run see. away. Yeah, people want to. People want a memorable and, and scenic death. That's probably what it is. Probably easier sure, to get rid of was the it body. Enter the Dragon that was the first film that did this martial arts tournament on an island trope, or did it even predate that? I don't know. I think Enter the Dragon probably was one of the first ones. There is a, there's a, there's an Enter the Dragon shadowing going on as well, because it has the, the, the mysterious island, the traveling to get there, the, the merry band of men and women from different backgrounds with different skill sets which were about to be shown off and um, and then there's the kind of the drone the drone enemies that they have to that are guarding the island as well because they've got red hoods and bare-chested men which i'm sure jamie must have enjoyed uh seeing for a short while well leotards for you guys right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. was catered for. Yeah. But you know like what? Because Luke Kang's character, um, yeah. you know, he, he was based on Bruce Lee. So I wouldn't yeah, be surprised so if if the film was just, you know, homage to a lot of what Bruce Lee did with his films. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, particularly Enter the Dragon was the obvious one. And mm. um, it seems like when we do uh, get on the island, we're also introduced to uh, Christopher Lambert who's actually yeah. predating a Christian Bale of Batman voice um, <laughs> as the Lord Raiden, who's obviously like a really special character in the um, Mortal Kombat world, but he's more of a kind of a, a herald or a guide. He's not really actively participating, is he? He's kind of like the, the, the band leader. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, this is my team. <laughs> yeah. 
But the, uh, but the I think the film did quite well with the exposition because it, it managed to travel to Hong Kong, China, and Los Angeles, and introduce a Highlander in the first ten minutes of the film. And <laughs> and the idea, I think there was a moment on the boat where um, they inch, you get the first introduction to Sub Zero and Scorpion, yeah. and they cleverly got around the introduction by saying that they were already slaves. Uh, or, or, or soul slaves to this um, Shang Tsung character. Yeah. But it was kind of like Sub-Zero popped off his ice move and he broke the gun that Sonya Blade had. And the and, uh, Scorpion fired out his special um, snake from his hand. And um, it was kind of like the three characters just stood there and it was like, there wasn't even like a what fuck amongst the three of them. It was like, oh, yeah, now we're in on the other side of this thing. So it was interesting that they waited to come up to the surface to wait for uh, Lord Raven's exposition. Or the surface of the boat, because it's all happened in the boat. <laughs> oh, well, he does kind of interrupt them and say, no, no, naughty, naughty. <laughs> wait until the tournament. <laughs> if you're like in trouble, if you need Christopher Lambert to restore order. <laughs> Oh, to be honest, though, there was a, a quite a bit of comedy in, in, in that film as well. So. Yeah. I mean, I did feel like it was leaning into the comedy. Yeah. yeah. You know, especially initially. Mm. I, I, I felt the, the actors, Christopher Lambert, and I want to mention the other guy, because he, he's, I think it's Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa, um, who plays Shang Tsung. The mysteriousness and sorcery side that they were putting across I think they performed it well, considering how far-fetched and ridiculous the tra- is the transition. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. The way they transitioned from scene to scene as they got elevated and further into the Mortal Kombat world, they kind of managed it well with their kind of mysterious Mr. Miyagi versions of, of a martial arts guru. So I enjoyed that part of it. Is it just me, or or does he play a lot of kind of like um, evil martial arts characters? Like he's always playing the villain, isn't he? Yeah, Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa. I think he's like your yeah. go-to guy if you need um, uh, an uh, evil-looking martial artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I want to say that he was in Big Trouble in Little China, but I'll yeah. just read off some stuff. He's been in Tekken. He's been in Star Wars Rebels, but the TV series The Voice. Um, he was in Showdown in Manila. I think he was in Teen Wolf. He plays Silverfinger in a TV series. He's in 47 Ronin alongside Keanu Reeves. Hey, he was um, even in Baywatch. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he's, he's done um, quite a few movies. Oh, he's in John Carpenter's Vampires as well. So anything that's of old law or uh, martial arts, he's had a go at it. So... He's just got one of those faces where you can just believe his kind of wizardry intuition. You just bring a certain dignity to it. Yeah, yeah, gravitas. I think that, that's gravitas, what he's looking for. Yeah, yeah, that's the word. Yeah, so Robin Shu, I haven't seen him in much else other than the Mortal Kombat um, yeah, film. Yeah, Robin Shu wasn't somebody I rarely recognise. I mean, it's a largely, um, I would say, C-list uh, of names. I mean, you've got... Robin Shu played Liu Kang, Linda Nashley played Johnny Cage, Bridget Wilson Sampras, who I assume is pretty married to Pete Sampras, plays Sonya Blade. Uh, you've got Talisa Soto, who was um, uh, 
one-time uh, partner of uh, Benjamin Bratt, played for China. Uh, but obviously, she's got other. She's got some very interesting film credits along her name because she's also in. Um, I want to say some good stuff. She was in Spy Hard. Uh, she was in the first Mortal Kombat, Don Juan DeMarco, and um, Island of the Dead. So she's she's quite a job and actress, but she hasn't really done anything for like maybe ten or eleven years. Um, but yeah, there isn't really any big names to kind of talk about. So it feels well, apart like apart from Christopher Lambert, he's obviously the standout name. And yeah, he's familiar yeah, to yeah, the genre yeah, fans. And I think he gets he top billing. Yeah. But you didn't see him much in Mortal Kombat, and then like by by the time Annihilation came around, he wasn't even playing Raiden anymore. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm so disappointed. But it's like <laughs> no one will notice if we just put the other guy in a wig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, did did you like before we talk about the crossover thing? Did you like how Mortal Kombat one played out in terms of telling the story and its execution? I mean, what did you think about it? See, I, I think Mortal Kombat, the first one, was true to the game, a bit more true to the game, because it did have the – but that is, that's mainly because it had the, the, the arena, the tournament arena. You know, that was kind of like the whole thing was about the tournament. And they kept playing the Mortal Kombat jingle again and again and yes. again and again. Yes. Yeah, but I I did enjoy the music actually because you know it was it was the type of music that got you hyped for the fight. You know what I mean? And then by the time Annihilation came around, it was kind of like, oh, this, this is now storyline. It's not about you know a tournament. It's not about you know fighter on fighter. It's about you know there's this whole kind of you know. I've got to do this so that this doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it was Mortal Kombat Unleashed sort of thing because yeah. the, the tournament premise, uh, I was actually, I, I think I must be like 20 minutes from the end because I think in Mortal Kombat 1, they start off in the real world, they go onto the island, and then mm. I think Shang Tsung's character kidnaps Sonya Blade and portals her out to another dimension, to the outworld. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, uh, Lord Raiden decides, oh, you know what, guys? You're on your own because I can't just go over that little bridge that you just saw there because I don't have any power. So, but then he on, on did. Your little way. Yeah, yeah. Well, but but it, then he did because yeah. it was not because I think it was when he had full power, he wasn't yeah. allowed to go to the outer world, the yeah, outer yeah. realm. Yeah. And then in order to go to the outer realm, he had yeah. to exchange his powers for yeah. that for that ability to to help them out. So, the, the thing yeah. is, though, in the world of like reality TV and judging panels, in my mind, I just felt there was this like <laughs> this, this free seated panel of uh, martial arts judges who were on the beach, and then they suddenly had to move to the island, and then now they had to jump into the portal to kind of watch the tournament continue. Because I was thinking, who's actually well, see, taking... you're likening this to X Factor, where they go around the country <laughs> and then it's judges' houses and then the studio for the finale. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm thinking, who's scoring this tournament in, on the other side of the, the, the portal? You know, like, there is who's, no score. Who's, who's the adjudicator? Who lives? Yeah. <laughs> who dies? So, I thought that was pretty cool. But, um, and then there's, um, yeah, I want to mention something about Johnny Cage because he ends up fighting uh, Prince Goro. I can't remember how Prince Goro ends up becoming the four, he's cursed or something, but I can't remember he ends up, ends up being the four-armed, two-legged creature that he is. But Johnny Cage, who's a human, ends up having to fight him on the Apetus the Island. Yeah, and the way he, he defeats him is he punches him in the nuts. Then he runs yeah. through a tunnel 
and then he does a couple of kicks and pushes him over a cliff. But the funny thing is, when you see Mortal Kombat Annihilation start, it's like, okay, some of the characters have changed. So, like, obviously, Lord Raiden's character is a different actor. Um, Chris Conrad, who was in Patriot, which we've reviewed already, ends up playing Johnny Cage for probably the shortest cameo in An- Annihilation. But the equivalent <laughs> of uh, Prince Goro ends up being Shiva, who's the four-armed beast, uh, or the four-armed creature with two legs. I'm thinking Johnny Cage has um, gender-changing punches to the groin. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it was like, it was just like strange seeing that character re-emerge as a woman. And I one thing I noticed was um, in the first Mortal Kombat, it, there was a little taste of sexual tension between Johnny Cage and Sonya Blade. And in the end, there was just like random, oh, she's got kidnapped and she's supposed to fight um, Shang Tsung. But for some reason, we need to get her into a miniskirt, a one-piece miniskirt, and uh, have her chained up to the, this rock. And then it's like... That's for the it, men in the audience, yeah, right? that's for the men in the audience, yeah. <laughs> And then in the second one, Annihilation, it just becomes like a latex frenzy where, and then all of a sudden, um, I think we're, we're exploring the sexual tension a bit more between Liu Kang and Princess Katana, which I thought it was nice, but I felt Annihilation, it was definitely like a hot under the collar martial arts story. Yeah, you talk about sexual tension, but it's like, yeah, it's a bit flat. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll say it like this. Mortal Kombat 1 is more like the Goons. I'm not saying, I'm not saying Mortal Kombat Annihilation is nine and a half weeks, but there's a bit more acknowledgement <laughs> of the, the pairing off and the, the, um, the, the visibility, let's say, of the sexuality. Because I think there's one moment in Annihilation where I think Liu Kang has to, I think he's searching out somebody and he ends up fighting the wolf guy who puts oh, yeah, him yeah, into yeah. a dream state. And, then and his first dream Jay. state is... Is now it's a, she's not even bikini clad. Like she's wearing two rags, around one around her boobs and one around her butt and stuff. And then she's getting like very flirty with um, Lu Kang in the beginning. I'm sorry, I forgot what her name is. Um, Jade. Jade, yeah. So it's kind of like, and he's talking about how he's only true to um, time. His heart belongs whilst, to another or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whilst yeah. whilst she's putting the moves on him, and it yeah. just felt like. When she changed into the warrior, she just felt like a jilted lover who just wanted to kick his ass. <laughs> you have passed the test. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. what it came down to. <laughs> exactly. Passing the test of monogamy. That was the thing. Oh, dear. Yeah, I guess at this point we should mention that um, the first Mortal Kombat was directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. Yeah. Um, who is a director who has been slated by us in the past. <laughs> but I think it's only fair to say that the first Mortal Kombat is far better than the second one. So well done to Paul W.S. Anderson. <laughs> uh, but, but just to remind our audience, why have we been slating Paul W.S. Anderson? What, what's his role call of shame? Um, he's very associated with the Resident Evil franchise. Mm. I think he's directed about six or seven of those. And he's also directed uh, Death Race as well, I think. He's done, uh, I think, Death Race 1, Death Race 2, and Death Race 4, Beyond Anakin. Well, what happened to Death Race 3? Oh, sorry, he wrote him. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't direct him. He wrote Death Race 1, Death Race 2, Death Race 4, 
And he's also done Alien vs. Predator, which is probably one of the films that fans of Aliens and fans of Predator never wanted to see. That's something they can all agree on. <laughs> yeah. I was but, just interested to see who would win. I even yeah. I've got the I've got the video game on PS3, Alien vs. Predator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk about sci-fi. What did you guys think of the CGI of the first one compared to the second one? I mean, well, we're obviously going back 25 years, and mm. I mean, it wouldn't really pass muster today, but I yeah. imagine some of the CGI, like Scorpion's Scorpion Hand, yeah. was fairly decent for the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I remember when I first saw that scene with Scorpion, you know, get over here, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, that's my childhood. <laughs> 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 yeah. And even in the new one that's coming out as well, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like there's but, a lot of fan service in the first film and i think they in the, yeah I'm, I'm, i mean we should acknowledge there was a trailer in 2021 for the new mortal Kombat, which kind of explains how um Jax loses his arms um and it introduces us to sub-zero i think scorpions in it as well but it's kind of like that one just blatantly acknowledges the fan service whereas it's like i think it's it's peppered in Mortal Kombat 1, Night Night 5. But Mortal Kombat Annihilation, it didn't feel like the fan service was there. I'm not sure if it's because the actors have changed and they had to do more with the CGI and stuff like that. A script is a script no matter which actors you hire. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think that's the... I think it's just the writing in Annihilation. Because I, I don't... I, you know, I... I like a lot of people enjoyed um first Mortal Kombat movie more yeah. than yeah. I enjoyed Annihilation and like yeah. it it, sh- it kind of shows in the um the takings as well so like the original film had a 20 million dollar budget and it raked in 122.1 million in the box office and then with Annihilation Annihilation they had a 30 million um they had a higher budget it had a higher budget, and they only raked in 51.3. So it, less than half of what um, the original Mortal Kombat movie um, made. I'm struggling um, and, to see how they had a higher budget when the CGI was worse. And this is two years later. Yeah. You know what's interesting? Did you know that George Clinton did the music on both the first did one really? and the second one? Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Funkadelic. Yeah, but the, the music's very similar. So yeah, not, yeah. And like they even had the same Mortal Kombat um, theme song as well. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because the the music, George S. Clinton's kind of more renowned for I think like a funky jazz tones. So it's like for him to be playing um, funky electronica. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Because it, the <clears throat> I didn't notice in the first one, but Annihilation. It does have a little taste of the Matrix soundtrack. It just, it's just creeping up on that Matrix soundtrack sound. And I was thinking, you know what? This, this film felt really close to being like a really good film, but it just fell short in a couple of areas. Do you know what I think it is? I think maybe the martial arts scene should have been taken a bit more seriously in the second time around. Because the first one you get the feeling that there's some athletic people, because I think, I think it's Francois Petit, who's an actual martial artist, plays Sub-Zero in the first film. 
But then he obviously gets killed and then gets replaced by his brother, who is not a martial artist, he's an actor. And then you kind of just get the sense it's actors playing, because I think there was a scene in Annihilation where I think Raiden has the costume change and he goes into a temple in the outworld, I think it is, and he's being stalked by some kind of assassins amongst the um, pillars. And then he gets into a fight and the, the chop cutting between the stuntman and the actor and the person who actually does the kicks, it was just like, uh-huh. it was really jarring. It's like you could tell <laughs> there wasn't just three assassins trying to kill Raven, but there's three people playing Raven as well. So it's like, <laughs> if you slowed it all down, it would have been an even contest, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I definitely think Annihilation fell short, but I think that's mainly because the first one was fan service. It was, you know, tournament-based, which is exactly the same as the games. And then Annihilation was kind of like, oh, quest line. <laughs> One quest after the, after the other. Let's split up and do our separate quests. Yeah, yeah. The, the other thing was, um, and I'll come back to the transitions thing, it was like, where did the kids go? Because in the end of the first film, it's kind of like, the walking off into the sunset moment was then coming out of this kind of dark cave of the original characters from Mortal Kombat. And it's like all the kids running around because they're free and they're, they're kind of in this kind of Buddhist temple park area, a little bit like center parks. And it was kind of like the, <laughs> the, 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 the warriors were like walking past, walking up and saying, giving themselves kind of like, good job done. And then it's like the temple in front of them broke apart. And then like Luke Kang's like, who's that? And then um, Christopher Lambert's called Graydon's like, oh, that's the Emperor. And then they all kind of did their martial arts pose, and then it went to end credits. But then when it went into the second film, it's like, okay, we're going to... Yeah, we do a quick, like, um, Neighbours or Showtime recap of what happened to you. Previously. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, previously on Mortal Kombat. And then it was like, and it's like, okay, we've done the kind of the dramatic whistle rounds of the characters to show that the acting changed. So that was cool. But it's like, where's the kids? Like, the kids are still running around somewhere. They ran away. (laughs) They ran away. I mean, like, if (laughs) if that happened in front of you and you were a kid, you would run away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, should have been like a final reveal. Like, the kids have been like um, portaled somewhere else. That's like the last thing you see (laughs) at the end of the film. Yeah, yeah. So, I I was worried about child safety and um, they're they're not being looked after. Yeah. Were you really? Well, the thing is, there was a lot of other things that were abandoned the last as well. Thing because, you think about, it's like what, oh, because the there, I mean, what do you think? Of, what do you think about this scientific facility that spent millions of pounds on putting Jax's arms, metallic arms, on, and then everyone just abandoned it so that Sonya Blade could like walk through the back door and start playing around with the computer. No, but she she met up with um Cyrex, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> it wasn't abandoned. They were. It was an ambush. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they, 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 they turfed out. But the, the thing is, I think that Jack's character, when he came in into Annihilation, he was obviously meant to be the comedy, the comic relief for the missing Johnny Blaze. But um, but he was I in the first one as well. He was in the first one very briefly. Because he was yeah, the part of it. Yeah, the character was in it, but I think it was a different actor the second time around, wasn't it? Uh Probably, like possibly, a, but I'm just saying that his character was. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. talking about the actor. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But the um, because the, the thing is, there's a reference. I think he says like, "Where he goes, this has been the longest week of my life." 
And I'm thinking, like, are you telling me, like, Mortal Kombat 1 and Annihilation takes, over, takes place over the space of seven days? Because that was, like, crazy. Yeah, it's like um, almost real time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Considering, like, Annihilation started off the back of Mortal Kombat 1. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is a lot that's happening. That's what I'm saying. It's basically one long movie, kind of like um, split into two. (laughs) Except the first half had more cheese. Yeah. Intentionally as well. (laughs) Yeah. I did try to wipe down some of the bad dialogue in Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and I actually gave up because every line was crap. Yeah, and that's probably why it bombed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I see. Like I've written down, this is not good. That's not my comment. That's like um, a line of dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad you will die. Yeah. I think I've said that with more feeling than the actress in question. Yeah. Did you like um, the bit when um, Kang rescues Katana from her cell? And then they hug and embrace, and then Shiva breaks through the door and then says, all right, the date's over. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't that the highlight? It's kind of like, that's the climax. She's free. (laughs) (laughs) They can run up into the sunset. (laughs) I'm sure, like, you know, that's like a piece of placeholder dialogue. You know, it says, all right, the date's over, you know, like, quote, one liner add later. <laughs> but but the thing is, for the amount of strong female warrior characters that were it was in Annihilation, they still held on to the rescue the princess, like literally plot line, didn't they? Yeah. There's always the damsel in distress. Mm. Although she wasn't really distressed. She yeah. just couldn't get out of the cage. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's pretty kick-ass. Yeah. Although Although her fans, her fan sword thingies, they looked really heavy and clunky. I'm just looking at her using them. It's like, man, her fingers are going to hurt after using those. Because yeah, they yeah, look yeah. really heavy. They look heavy and they look really hard to use. Do you know like, what? I, I was looking at that weapon. Because when, when she first grabs it, it's like one block plank. Like, um, yeah. It's like some unboxed Amazon gift. And it was kind of like she was hitting people <laughs> over the head of it. And it was like... <laughs> And then it fanned out and goes, oh, now it makes sense. But now it's more <laughs> impractical because it was like the fanned out knives was wider than the corridors she was fighting. You know? Yeah. Oh. But, yeah, just the support with her fingers holding that thing, I can just imagine she would have had really sore fingers using that. <laughs> like in the, in the later ones, sorry, in the um, animations, the fan is much lighter and a bit yeah. more kind of webbed out with the fabric. So your blades were kind of like smaller and narrower rather than those thick, ugly things that she had. It was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I want to address that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I wanted to say one saving grace of um, the, the um, Annihilation is um, they, there was a weird, like, X, X-Men Apocalypse in 2016 used the same trope where, like, the big face-off ending in the kind of ruins and rubbles at the end, because it's like the last men standing with like the, ca- the bad guy characters appearing and the good guy characters appearing, and then just using the brickwork and rubble as the terrain for combat. So I thought that was quite interesting that they had used that. So I'm not sure if they, they took that from anywhere or they inspired 
X-Men Apocalypse. But if you've ever watched the, the, the X-Men franchise film directed by Brian Singer, it's almost it's... like for like the <clears> same thing, you know? But I'd say it's pretty natural that if things are crumbling around you and you're in the middle of combat, you're going to fight on it, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's not, yeah. It's not like you're going to go, oh, wait a minute, let's just find a flat surface to fight on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, I'm, I'm sorry, sure. I can't fight you. This has got too steep a gradient. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still wearing heels. Yeah. Too many rocks, man. <laughs> too many rocks. It might fall. You know, I want to fight you. I don't want to get crushed by a rock. Let's move somewhere where it's a bit more safer to fight. <laughs> and I can throw you around. <laughs> and, and what did you think about the um, kind of the father-son relationship that was kind of in the background of um, more combat annihilation? So it was kind of like, um, I think it was Shao Kahn um, doing the bidding of his father. His father's the emperor. Character. Yeah, the emperor. And you think that works? I guess, like, the precedent for that would be Star Wars, where you've got the Emperor, who is called the Emperor, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who is um, controlling the other shadowy figures, like, mm. notably Darth Vader, so I guess that's a trope for that. And there's also, going back to the Princess in Distress thing, Princess Leia in Star Wars, who finds herself having to be rescued in at least two of the films and is wearing a bikini for some reason in one of them. Yeah. So you can see a kind of precedent there for some of the things that happen in Annihilation. Yeah, and there's probably a taste of Conan the Barbarian as well, like Arnold Schwarzenegger's version. Yeah, but I, I think that's yeah. kind of like a very common storyline, though. There's always the son who's trying to please the father and do the father's bidding because he wants he wants to make him proud. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that undertone, that, that's in so many films. Um, I didn't think this film needed it. I didn't mm. think that. I, I think it kind of cheapened the film and made it corny rather than enjoyable. Yeah, that was very couple. much the one thing that made it corny, Jamie. Yeah, it was a couple <laughs> of characters too much, wasn't it? <laughs> 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 Lo- loads of things made it corny, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but that that particular dynamic was just like. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, <laughs> give us something else. You know, <laughs> why can't it be a different dynamic rather than the poor little boy trying to please his daddy? Yeah, I must say my my best worst part of the film was the green screen work because that was special. <laughs> <laughs> green screen no. work and CGI and yeah, like um, TJ said, the stunt doubles moving in and out. It was uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know it's an old film, it was made a long time ago, but you know, just for reference, it was made two years before The Matrix. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it, it feels like if you look at the film history, you can almost see the evolution of martial arts films and the kind of the gradient of what went before it, fighting street fighters of this world, and perhaps the Jean, not the Jean Claude Van Damme, but even the Steven Seagal films. How, how do you get from Steven Seagal's Street Fighter to The Matrix? And it feels like the evidence is here inside Mortal Kombat Annihilation, for better or for worse, if you know what I mean. I think, but I think Mortal Kombat in general, though, is a bit more sinister, isn't it? Yeah. It's a bit more kind of ethereal as well. Yeah. So, so for people who are probably getting excited about 
watching the new Mortal Kombat, what's, what's your recommendation for watching the old ones if you want to stay inside the canon? Oh, God. I don't know. Watch it if you feel like it. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm, I'm hoping that this one's going to be better than, you know, the Annihilation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's not hard to beat, but it's like, I, but it, I mean, it, it's not like it's like part three or anything. It's actually a reboot. It's a completely new reboot. Like, even sure. the way Jax gets his arms is completely different from other uh-huh. ways he, he's lost his arms. Um, mm. Because in this film, in the in the new twenty twenty one film, you can see Sub Zero. Um, yeah, is is the culprit. Stripping in his arms in combat. Yeah, I'm pretty sure in previous ones it's been the sorcerer. Um, what's okay. his name? <laughs> I've got his name. <laughs> Shang Tsung. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure it was him that kind of um you know broke his arms off. <laughs> Okay, okay. <laughs> but you know he he's he's lost his arms in different ways depending on which animation you watch. So <laughs> he sounds very careless and clumsy. It, it, it's like you know there's no one way that he's lost his 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 arms. Okay, you know? there's like there's a version where he leaves them on the bus. It, it almost <laughs> looks, <laughs> I, I, I did get the impression that from Annihilation that he just chose to have his arms. Um, Augmented. Yeah, it's voluntary. Yeah. Even then, they were just sleeves because by the end of it, he pulled them off. So he, he still had his arms. I, I don't remember him pulling them off. I thought it was he got phased into a different reality because I thought that because the two realms crossed over when the fight was finished and the because I think as it Liu Kang ends up back at the uh, the temple. And then when um, Sonya Blade and um, uh, Jax return, like Sonya Blade is like more cleaned up than she was after the fight, and he's just lost his arms. Still doesn't have a shirt on, so I'm sure the women are happy about that. But he has his arms when he's fighting the um, the centaur. His real arm. No, because he's got the metal arms when he fights the centaur yeah. in the outworld. But when they get phased back into our world. He goes back to his normal arm, so it's almost as if he made the decision in the realm, but it wasn't a real decision happening in the real world. But he took them off in the outer realm, so oh, did he? Okay. yeah, he's put a lot of stuff, he lot pulled of stuff them down. off. So if he, if they because he broke them because the centaur broke them, he they broke, and so he pulled them off, and that's when he was like, oh, um. Because his whole facing himself was, yeah. you know, about more his than personal arms. strength. Yeah. 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 So it's like, I don't need these anymore. And he pulled, pulled the <laughs> broken one off. <laughs> he cheated. He half-assed it. That's what he did. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the new installment, the new reboot, for, for various reasons. You know, CGI being a big one, because I want to sure. see how they they um recreate you know certain powers and whatnot so, yeah but that's just my my thing and also cool. the costumes i, I want to see how they've changed the costume because i noticed that sub-zero and scorpion don't have their signature blue and yellow yeah oh that's one other thing i want to say about annihilation costumes are terrible because it was like even when they were fighting the way they were folding up i think when sub-zero fights scorpion 
in the beginning, the way they were folding up and up under his neck and stuff like that every time he was doing a move. Horrible. Uh, well, what about you guys? Are you guys looking forward to the next film, the reboot? Are you going to watch it? You're not going to watch it? Done. I'll probably catch it on an illegal streaming service. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will be honest, I'm excited about the reboot because it feels like this is the version of Mortal Kombat that the, the gamers really want to see. And I think in their kind of HD 4K world, the yeah. graphics just looks a bit neater, a little bit more tight, a little bit more intentional. Whereas I think we've, where you've got the um, the first film kind of had to happen because it was starting more or less with Christopher Lambert and um, uh, the I want to say the other guy Christopher Lambert and uh, Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa and it kind of it just makes the world real. Obviously the second one feels like it's done out it's compulsory, but I feel like the wait will be worth it because now we, it's not done a RoboCop three. Thing where you've got a really, really bad sequel that nearly killed the yeah. franchise. So I think that's the good thing about waiting for Mortal Kombat. And um, yeah, I think this is going to be like a really big power people. Yeah, and no, I, I really, I really didn't like Raiden and Annihilation. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm hoping that um, that's addressed in this new one. Um, yeah. But I'm, uh, but also, you know, the technology has changed in 25 years. So I'm, yeah. I'm hoping that the effects are going to be bigger and better um and also a, a lot of the characters um it's a bit more um multicultural as well mm. from what i can see um yeah. but also um with this new film coming out if there's a lot of focus on the scorpion and um sub-zero um conflict as well yeah so um, i'm interested to see how that develops too uh, yeah. And there's a new character, Cole um Cole Young is a new character cool. that introduced as well. So I wanna see how that develops. But yeah, so just a, quite a few new things to look forward to. For it me, is it's anyway. a reboot and not a sequel. I think that's I think we've said that already, but that is yeah. important to emphasize. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I'm looking forward to it, because it's kinda of like whatever they did wrong in Annihilation, hopefully they address it this time. <laughs> 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 or, you know, make better on it or make good of yeah. it. Yeah. Right. So, are we ready to to, to land this plane? Yeah. <laughs> I've got something written down here that I'm oh, going to say. Oh, there's always something. Come on, Dom. It has out. begun. <laughs> it has begun. <laughs> yeah. it, it is done. Just the name one. Yeah. <laughs> is this your fatality <laughs> move for the episode? That's <laughs> 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 my fatality move. <laughs> KO. <laughs> oh no, it's Street Fighter. KO is Street yeah. Fighter. <laughs> right, that's all well, from we us. We got the whole way through the episode without mixing up Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. Well, you mentioned called Van Damme, so you yeah, know yeah. whatever. Yeah. You planted it. <laughs> I did. <laughs> right, that is all from us. Thank you so much for joining us. This is goodbye from me. I'm Jay, and goodbye from Kingdom. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us, and TJ. Thanks for joining us. Ciao for now. Ciao to everyone. Goodbye from us. Thanks. Bye.